Broadcasting from Youngstown, Ohio, this is the MV Red Podcast, the show where we talk about news and politics impacting the Mahoning Valley, the state of Ohio, and the USA. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, find us on your favorite podcast streaming app or visit our website, www.mvred.com. If you want to share your opinion with us, please email info at mvred.com, as we would love to hear from you. Now, let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Michael Metzinger and Dane Davis. Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of the MV Red podcast. We have been, uh, we came back from the dead. It's been, uh, what is this? Oh, okay. It was a uh, test, test. All right. That's data in the chat room. It's been well over a month since our last show, and there's been. Uh, Has anything happened? Uh, no, Politically? I'm not aware of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's been uh, pure and utter chaos. Um, yeah. And what, so we're four or five days into the Biden administration now, but, yeah. um, yeah, since we last talked, um, you know, people stormed the Capitol and yeah. president Trump was impeached by the house a second time. Uh, he was banned from Twitter and Facebook yeah. and oh, yeah. I think every other social media platform, everything, Instagram, and, WhatsApp. Uh, the Republican Party seems like it's like a giant civil war uh, between the uh, the diehard Trump Trumpers and I would say like the maybe the non Trumpers or the more yeah. establishment ones and yeah. Uh, yeah now Biden's president so uh, Biden <laughs> been plenty president. To, to talk about tonight so uh, Dane I guess first let's see uh, let's talk how. How was your Christmas and New Year's? I know we're 24 days into the New Year, but it's lovely. It's like, it's like uh, you know, July. How was your Christmas? Oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> uh, no, it was good. And New Year's is good. I've gone fat because of COVID. I was losing weight and COVID hit, and I got really, really fat. And I'm getting even fatter. I had some Pizza Hut today because I hate myself. And Pizza Hut. I ordered, I ordered a Pizzone. Or do you know what a Pizzone oh. is? I love a Pizzone. They don't <laughs> no, love me, though. No. And they Tommy Metzinger is a big Pizzone guy. Tommy Metz? We used brother? to eat those back when – in our Ursuline days, back in high school. I remember well, those were big back then. They were huge. They were big innovation pizza technology. And I had one today. <laughs> I haven't had one in 15 years because I'm a respectable adult, and I had a Pizzone. And first of all, they're not as good. They they, they all you know, it went from like – bad quality to worse and second of all it's just it's really affecting me so i you know that's, that's where i am in 2021 um and uh, yeah there's lots of politics stuff going on and then you know i, I want to start out this episode I mean, we know we've got some political stuff to talk about but i took a really controversial stance today i want to talk about the importance of standing on your own two feet and being i know crazy. where this is going i knew this and, is going to come up you know in america we're all about how we're an individualistic society but with social media, if anybody dares to stand up against that, you get you get pillarized, right? You get destroyed. People attack you. They flame you. And you're ostracized, right? And I took a stand against the, the trends. And I made the simple point that the Bernie Sanders meme that's going viral, it's not funny. It's not funny. 
it's not funny. Like, and I feel like I'm the last sane man in the world because I guess like the first time you see it, you're like, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor Bernie. Right. He's the old man. That's cold. Yeah. Okay. And then they kept Photoshopping him in all these ridiculous poses. And it's like, eh, that wasn't really that funny. It's still not that funny. So am I broken? Am I a bad person? What's, you know, am I crazy? What's, Am I sinful? What what's what's wrong here? Can we can we fix this? Because it's not good. I mean, I would say probably I'll I'm okay with like the first twenty four hours of them, but I think it ran its course, and now like people are just they're not letting it go. And no. I I don't I, I'm I'm indifferent really on the memes. I, some have been all right, some have been not so good. Uh, I just think that just there's a picture of him himself <laughs> sitting there. Is just I think it's great because he just looked kind of the old crabby old seventy eight seventy nine however old he is old man just sitting there. He doesn't look real thrilled to be there. <laughs> yeah, I think what was cute were his mittens. Right, he had the little mittens. I thought that was kind of cute because he's all. I mean, there's something. There's something charismatic about Bernie Sanders. I'm not particularly a fan of his politics, but he's he's a charismatic guy. He's a likable guy. I think because he, he's really the quintessential old curmudgeon. But I, I just didn't think the meme was funny. And, and people people came after me. I never felt such hate in modern America. I felt like, well, I don't want to say what I'm, I'm thinking, but I, I really felt like a, a persecuted person. A prosecuted? Persecuted? I, I really did. It was like I was afraid to leave my house because I was like, I don't think the Bernie Sanders memes are funny. And the whole world knew it. And, and you know, I was, I don't know, I was ostracized. It's, it's terrible. I guess – from the perspective of, of what led up to that for however many months, maybe maybe some view it as a unification means. I don't know if I would go that far, but it seems uh, it seems quite popular across the social media platform, across the especially the ide- ideological spec- spectrum from what I've seen. But again, I haven't posted one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over it after seeing 50 of them already yeah it's like okay maybe the first 50,000 I could summon but now I'm seeing people are like shopping Bernie Sanders it's like you know they're they're buying trick cereal at the grocery store and they're like look who I found in Bernie Sanders and they should photoshop it's like that's not funny what's wrong with you people right you know like oh I'm taking going to the bathroom well Bernie Sanders here it's like, guys, this isn't funny. This isn't funny. Why, why is everybody doing this? And one of the things that's interesting is that it's cut across partisan divides. It's not just the Democrats doing it. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. It's everybody. It's everybody. I don't, I don't yep. get it. I don't know. I don't know either. So, uh, like I had mentioned at the start of the show, uh, it was a it was a, it was a turbulent end, I would say, to the Trump administration and his presidency. Uh, especially on, I think it was January 6th was the day. And I think January 5th was the day of the Georgia runoffs. And let's talk briefly about that. I knew where that was going. I tweeted about it a couple weeks before and I got attacked by some on the, I think I'm going to probably piss off a lot of people tonight, but it is what it is. I, I, I got attacked as I suspected, because I saw enough people who are like the ardent, most ardent Trump supporters. And I'm not trying to generalize all of them, but I think, you know, from social media, which ones I would be talking about who were against voting for any of those two Republicans, just to say, 
F you to the Republican Party. And so I knew right then and there that they were going to lose those races. So I wasn't surprised at all. And then came January 6th and that madness. And I remember I was talking with a couple of coworkers at work. And they were like, oh, you know, uh, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? And I'm like, honestly, I, I don't even want to know because I, I was so worried about what would happen. I never thought people would storm the Capitol, but I just thought it would be loon. I don't know, madness in the Capitol in terms of the politicians duking it out. Never thought people would actually infiltrate the Capitol, and I was just kind of just disappointed. I, I would say I was been disenchanted from politics since probably early December, just with the shit going down and constantly again we talked about fraud like we we talked about how we do think there were elements of fraud but i'm from the perspective even in like georgia like trump was going after that secretary of state in georgia to find the votes there like you're even if you flip georgia you still don't win the election if anything they should have been like hitting home on the georgia senate race so that one didn't that the the um the one wouldn't have gone to a runoff because the republican won that one but it was like barely under 50 percent that's what I would have been like hitting home on, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to be all over the place, but I think if anything, let's first talk, talk about the end of the Trump presidency. What are your thoughts as to kind of how it oh, ended? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. They're, they're pretty interesting. I don't know if I'm allowed to say my thoughts because we don't live in a free country. And if I speak my mind, I'm likely to get fired. So I'll, I'll keep it kind of constrained, right? Number one, I disavow violence of all sorts. I think violence is a, it's a crudgel for the weak. I disavow censorship. You know, I'm, I'm not a libertarian anymore, but I still have many libertarian instincts where I don't like people that use force, whether it's through violence or through uh, censorship to shut down their opponents, right? I'm a big believer in debate. I think that intelligent minds and free societies debate is the cornerstone because if an idea is wrong or if an idea is um, incorrect, the way to squelch that idea is through vigorous debate. And over time, facts will win out. Truth will win out. Maybe that's naive to think that. Um, but I, I think, look, let's, start, let's go back a couple of steps. There was an election. We had unprecedented mail-in balloting. The same sort, by the way, they're trying to unionize Amazon facilities, and, and Amazon says mail-in balloting is secure. Oh, I guess it's secure enough for our federal elections, but it's not secure enough when it comes to union votes. Um, I think that there were a lot of anomalies in this election. There were a lot of questions. And I think asking those I don't know if the election was stolen or not. Personally, I think Trump lost. I think that there was fraud, um, but I think Trump still lost, right? And I think he lost because fairly or unfairly, the media hammered him very hard about COVID and people were scared about COVID. And I think people wanted a return to normalcy. So I think I, Trump I lost. But I think that there should be a commission and the commission should be a, called a, a truth commission on the 2020 election where we do a deep dive into all the various – here are all the claims of election irregularities. And here's why they're not irregularities or here's why, you know, everything's actually fine, right? And similar to the 9-11 report or the Mueller report or all these other ones, because you saw, like, remember, for two and a half years, our entire country was in the thrall of a conspiracy theory. See, certain conspiracy theories are allowed, and those are the ones supported by our elite class. That Trump, right, some hot-headed New Yorker property developer was, like, secretly an FSG or FSB, you know, Russian agent, right? The Russian 
intelligence. And it wasn't true, right? And then we had the Mueller report that looked at all the evidence and discounted it, and then it died, completely died. So my solution to the election was we need a we need a report. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And what's really weird is that the media, even before the election, was like, if you even say that there's irregularities, you're evil and wrong and bad. You need to be censored. Like, what? What? You're not allowed to ask questions? Like To me, it's like, I get it. Like, ask questions, but also have good answers to those, right? Those questions. So let's have a compilation. Let's have a report that says the election was secure. Joe Biden legitimately won. And here's reasons why. That was never done. And instead, the, the response was sit down and shut up, right? And that created a lot of distrust and a lot of illegitimacy, right? And it doesn't help that the Democrats four years ago, as soon as Donald Trump got elected, they went through this whole Russiagate thing. And they basically, they knew it was garbage, but they did it to delegitimize his presidency, okay? Which is what the right just did to Joe Biden, and they're going to increasingly do. So that was number one. Number two, the protests on the Capitol, okay? There were legitimate questions about the election. Maybe they all have innocuous explanations i honestly don't know i've been taking the time to read for it but there are legitimate questions you answer those questions the protests on the capitol everybody has a right to protest on the capitol building okay people do not have the right to storm the capitol building i'm going to draw the line there people don't have the right to ransack public property um but and it was wrong what those people did they were not insurrectionists right most of them were like baby boomers and grandmas and stuff like that but the media was so excited because digging on the baby boomers they were. I'm sorry. They were. But they were like grandmas, right? Here's what's going on. The media, now that Trump is gone, they need a new threat. And they need a new threat to, to push 24-7. And, and they're moving to a new domestic war on terror because the al-Qaeda, um, that threat, that boogeyman's kind of fallen away. So they need a new threat to you know, justify a massive security state and a further expansion of domestic powers. And they're going to make domestic terrorists and right-wing extremists, and they're going to make all those groups look like that they're the, the newest threat. And, and I have to say this. Again, what they did was completely wrong. But the media, when BLM and related protests were burning down cities, destroying private business, terrorizing people in their own homes, um, you know, des- destroying every downtown American city, which, by the way, murder rights, rates have skyrocketed across the U.S. You should People should look that up. The media said nothing. They shed. They, they were. They they went out of their way to defend these protests and stuff like that. In our public politicians, Kamala Harris said, "I will bail people out for protesting." Right, and, and they're like, "These people are great," and they were destroying. And then the lesson was, "Hey, violence is okay if you're politically connected and you're with a politically enfranchised group." You're literally benefiting from political privilege, right? Private laws. You can destroy shit as much as you want because it's the right cause that you're allowed to. Remember during the pandemic, you couldn't leave your fucking home, but you could go to a BLM protest, right? And and because the scourge of public racism was greater than the scourge of the pandemic. Oh, okay. We talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that. And then so the, the, so the right wing swarms the Capitol. And by the way, they broke some glass. And they did some things they shouldn't do. But like the, they didn't burn it down, right? Um, thank God they didn't burn it down. And they, they that was what swore it was wrong. They they should have been arrested. I, I completely support arresting people. But then the media went nuts over that because this is the way the world works. There's an in group and an out group. Your in group, if they do something, it's okay because it's your in group. Your out group does it. They're evil. They're bad. They're terrorists. So I don't know. That's that's my controversial take. Um, 
I, I, I think it was, it was wrong. Violence is wrong. Violence is wrong. Violence is wrong. But do not trust the media. Anyways, there you go. I, I respect the end because I was taking some notes while you were talking. Uh, kind of when you were first talking, you had mentioned, I think we just need to do a better job of trying as best as we can to try to keep our emotions out of it and at least listen to each other. You know, we should just be rushing just to immediately block people on social media who disagree with you. My favorite was like right after January 6th, I saw people just saying like, if you, if you support the president or voted for him, just unfriend me or I'm going to block you if I find it like this. And they were going after Michael Rooley because there was a picture of him with a, a Trump flag. Like, it was well documented that Michael Rooley supported Donald Trump. And now you're just going to boy, it's just people in their emotions on political issues. You just need to like, take a deep breath. Like we'll, we'll, we'll survive as a nation. Ultimately, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the downfall of Trump was COVID, but amplified by the media who I think is, is the biggest issue we have moving forward in this country. We already see some of the softball questions are asking about administration. That's to be expected, but they, they clearly pick a side. They clearly run with that side and demonize the other side. And they are clearly there to divide us. And I just wish people would see that. Like I'm somebody who doesn't even watch cable news. I'm over cable news. I've been over cable news. I've said it. I don't watch Fox news. I don't watch Newsmax. I don't watch any of those. I don't care. I, I read my news from the internet. If any of them I watch, it would be like CNBC for financial news. I don't watch any of that nonsense. But like if I watch Fox, it's clear to me who they're by and large pushing for. If I watch the Today Show in the morning, it's clear from how they're talking, how they're trying to divide you one way and think one way. It's just the media has a I have great issues with them and we just need to have in some way, some folks the Tim Russards of the world, although Tim Russard was a Democrat, he was tough on both sides. Who who do we have now in, in the media who, who would we even consider to be kind of tough on both I mean, Chris Wallace, maybe before his debate debacle, I could have seen maybe some opportunities where he he could have gone after both sides, but certainly not Chuck Todd, certainly not George Stephanopoulos. I can't ever say his last name. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have literally worked on the Clinton campaign. Yes. That's how he got started. He he was, was, you know, he was a campaign manager for the Clinton campaign. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah, you also touched on the fact that now we've had back-to-back elections where both sides have not accepted the results. And, um, you know, maybe in both cases there's a little bit of smoke, but I don't know if there's full-blown, you know, three-alarm fires going off to justify the full-blown non-acceptance of these results. And I just I, – I think that's dangerous for our country. Um, you know, I think the Trump people, you know, they had two months – you know, from, from the election to, to prove their case. And I think they, they attempted to in some ways, but they kept getting shot down, whether it be in court or, or elsewhere. Um, but they had some time and, and there was still this push, like going into January 6th, like I would listen. And I'm sure you've probably heard, I have a coworker who listens to Ron Verb every day who tells me there are these far right loony people who are, who are calling up saying Donald Trump was still going to be the president on January 20th and and something's going to happen in six weeks from now. They're like the QAnon people, but they're people are just like a loony. Like we gotta, you know, we gotta but, take a step back and breathe people. 
but, but okay, so heard a couple of things about a couple of things, right? Um, one, this is going to be an anti-Trump comment, but I'm going to make this point. Donald Trump did a lot of good in the sense that he revealed that the media hates most Americans. Um, the system is rigged against you. Uh, there is a bipartisan establishment that works against the common American, and regardless of race, color, or creed. And and Donald Trump was a great president in terms of revealing this. Right? He became a lightning rod. Not because of his numerous affairs or because of his vulgar ways, right? Because Bill Clinton did all that. Ted Kennedy killed a woman. Um, Trump was – what they hated Trump was because he, he, was a, he was a relevatory president, right? Um, the Greek word apocalypse means, I think, the great revealing, right? Trump was apocalyptic for our political system because there are a lot of things that we're not allowed to say, and Trump said them. He made the, the subtle parts loud. Okay, the implicit, explicit. Um, so he was very useful and he accelerated that. And I think he woke up a lot of people. So I think Trump was a good president in that regard. And he did well on, on certain policies. Trump's biggest enemy, though, was he had a very odious personality. He turned off a lot of people and he was not a legislator. He did not know how to work the systems. He got completely played by Paul Ryan and, and Mitch McConnell. Both of them got what they wanted out of the Trump administration. Trump got very little substantial policy victories that were enshrined in law that can stand the test of time. And moreover, there was a certain uh, laziness to Trump where he worked hard, yes, but he was also lazy when it came to details. And when it came to the end of the election, they should have put together a comprehensive document detailing everything. It was very um, uh, slapstick. It was very... um, shoddy right it wasn't it wasn't professional because there i believe there are legitimate problems with the 2020 election i i do believe that the results in a lot of areas are cast into doubt that doesn't mean that they're wrong that doesn't mean that there was fraud just means that there is doubt right and it needs to be cleared up and when you have doubt you offer evidence to clarify that down that's what we should do as a society instead of just saying well if you doubt it you're crazy and again, I'll say this, you know, the Q, I'm not a QAnon guy. I've never been a QAnon guy. I think QAnon's crazy. But um, the, the reality is not all conspiracy theories are treated equal. I mean, the Russia, do not forget there for two and a half years, this country was ginned up into such a hysteria about Russiagate that proved to be nothing, a big goose egg. There, there were no facts of it or anything like that. Now, and then one final point, now that Trump is gone, right, there needs to be a great big villain, right? It was Orange Man, the big orange. We hate the big orange. Our crops have failed because of the big orange, right? He's, he's so bad. I stubbed my toe. People are racist because of the orange man. Um, you know, some guy died in Minneapolis because orange man, orange man, why are you doing this, orange man? You're so bad. I hate you, orange man. Well, Orange Man's gone now, okay? He's going to be dead in a couple of years because he's not a healthy individual. He eats too much McDonald's. But we need a new enemy. We need a new enemy. And we need the media needs to keep people tuning in. So the new enemy is going to be twofold. One, we're going to go to war overseas again. Get ready because Biden is a total hawk. And two, it's going to be domestic terrorism and the domestic enemy and, and all these like white nationalists, white supremacists. And I'm not a white nationalist. I'm not a white supremacist. But the problem is, is when you – demonized domestic forces it starts with a really small circle of people nobody likes neo-nazis right i'm of british descent largely we fought the nazis we don't like the nazism but the problem with you demonizing nazis 
And and then it's, it expands. The circle expands. Now it's like white nationalists and white supremacists. Oh, I'm not one of those. I'm not, I'm not racist. And then it expands. Far right people. And then anybody to the right of Ben Shapiro. And then it expands, right? And then that, that circle of these like people that should be banned. And that's why you don't want it. That's why even the most horrible people in society, you want to give them the right to talk and to debate and to discuss. Because if you if you ban these people, what you do is you legitimize censorship. And it never there, – there are no limits. You know, It always stops with the worst and then it expands. And then everybody that's not friendly to the regime gets banned. Anyways, I'll, I'll stop there. All valid points. I guess the, the last thing that I just want to touch on are, are these things. So for one, again, I think we've done a good job trying to objectively uh, analyze the Trump administration. We – especially I think we were critical of him during that period at the start of COVID up through the George Floyd um, um, murder and how kind of he handled that. And I, I Do we even my, know if George Floyd was murdered? I know it's going to sound crazy, but what was the end result on that? Well, I mean, could he? Whether, could he did what, he? I mean, uh, but I get what you're saying. I, I but I no no no. Or, no, 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 I, I, no I, I, I don't know, but I don't know if they released the uh, the autopsy. I mean, I guess there's video footage and what have you, but. Like at least we have the presence of mind, and we're willing to criticize Trump where possible. I, my concern is there are people who, it seems like their allegiance was so much to Trump, and they could never, they never would be willing to criticize him at all. And I just think that's dangerous. Like, if anything, if you criticize him and he listens, it makes him better. But he was to the type that there were just so many people who just agreed with everything he would say. And I think that hurt him during his administration. I think I he would have got some pushback from his his true base, not not the establishment Republicans in D.C. who who had issue with him from the start. But like his base, I think it could have made him a better president. Um, but I just think, by and large, it was really disappointing and tainted into his administration. Um, you know, although there wasn't like a ton of signature pieces of legislation. I mean, there was a Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is somebody like a CPA. I do think that benefited a lot of people from individuals to businesses. Uh, but then what he was able to do to get three Supreme Court justices and all the other judges. And then he was the... Uh, no new wars and then China and how he was tough on China and renegotiating stuff there. Um, you know, building, you know, some, um, I don't know how many miles of wall, but being at least enforcing our immigration laws and being tough on that and, and helping our energy sector. Those are all great things that I think by and large could unite Republicans. It's just, I think so much of it's going to be tainted by that end and from the election night through January 6th and just how that two month period uh, just went. And I I just think it was just, I I just don't like the conclusion of his administration. And, and I do think, I think it's time to move on. I know there's people who, who want him to run again in four years. I think, and we'll talk about it later in the show after we talk about the Biden presidency. You're going to have to find a way to bridge that divide in the Republican side. And I think you have to do it some way based on policy. Um, right. It just can't all be about Trump. It can't be an allegiance to Trump or Trumpism, I don't think. I think we you got to find that fine line where you, you embrace the American first policies and things that unite some populist elements and some more Republican elements, you you can make something work there, but it can't just be all about Trump and then take down every single Republican that you disagree with. If they're not a hundred percent 
hundred percent allegiance to Trump. Like well, you need, you need the Susan Collins of the world. You, you do. It, 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 you gotta, you gotta tactfully like understand each state's geography. Like, although, and it's interesting, like Ohio, although we are becoming a more Republican state in the state level, it hasn't been like we got the most hardcore conservatives in, in, in at the state house level, like between Kasich wasn't like an ultra Republican, um, obviously we know DeWine is not like some far right ultra conservative Republican. Uh, and then Portman isn't, you know, he's a reliable Republican vote, but not, didn't necessarily embrace everything about Trump. It's not about, you can't just defeat all these people. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting off topic here, but I, oh, I just, I, I've been sh- struggling with this over the last few months. I hear you. And I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think Trump could have used more criticism from, friendly criticism, like a loyal internal opposition to people who want to see his agenda and all that. And I don't think he was a perfect man. And I think he made a lot of mistakes. I think hiring Jared Kushner was mistake number one. But I think the reality is, first of all, there was a huge anti-Trump hatred out there. The man could literally cure cancer. People would still hate him, right? Well, I agree. Um, and, and don't forget when it was Obama, right? Obama was kind of a mediocre president to caucus. Like, but he people would would tolerate no criticism of Obama. People acted like he cured cancer, right? When he did nothing. So it, this this whole like loyalty and cult person, you know, political cult, is, it's not really a new element. It's a troubling element. I agree with you there. The, but here's the problem. I think a lot no, of and people I agree. Are, we did see it with Obama. I mean, there's, yeah, there's kids yeah. like singing school songs about Obama. Don't, and then, yeah, I'm not trying to. No, and I know you're not. Back. And, and I, I agree with everything you said. Like, I, I totally hear you out. We need to move beyond Trump because he's going to be old and th- there has to be – it can't be a call to personality, right? It has to be a political party with a coalition and that. I, I totally hear you. But here's one thing Republicans have to understand. Why were so many Republicans loyal to Trump? Was because Trump fought back, right? For years, for decades, Republicans could barely contain the disdain they had for their own voters like yeah they would sing the right hymns and tunes and they would say like oh sure we're with you on x y and z but you could tell republican politicians hated their own voters right and then when it came time where they got to columbus or washington they prefer to be socializing with the drinking bordeaux with the you know the bourgeoisie right and with the other political side trump was the first politician that didn't hate his own supporters that he actually he if he faked it, he was good at it. He, he seemed like he cared about his own people, and his people cared about him in return. And the reason why a Trump guy was able to step into the void is because the Republican Party for decades routinely betrayed its own base, and they were horrible to its base. Like when it came time to like things that the base cares about, like limiting immigration or, or fighting abortion or all these other issues, Republicans had no time for them. But when it came time for God forbid. The capital gains tax goes up another three points, right? Republicans are going to fight like it's the, you know, like, oh, my God, we're flipping into the bowels of socialism because they raise taxes on people to make over $500,000 a year, right? But when it was like, hey, you know, my entire community has just been devastated by opioids, and now, like, my kids are being told that their country sucks and they shouldn't be patriotic and that they're racist on top of it, Republicans were like, well, uh, yeah, yeah. You should just shut up, right? That's why people fell in love with Trump. So everything you said is right, but the solution isn't just to tell people. I'm not saying you're making this point. I'm just saying in general, get over it. 
we need somebody that fights. We need an entire party that fights at the same level that Trump fought. I don't know if anybody could read this, but Kavanaugh. Any other Republican, he would not be a Supreme Court justice right now. Yeah. So you do have to have that fight like Trump did there and not willing to just bend. Because I would say 95% of normal Republicans, like if that were Mitt Romney in there, for sure, he would have caved and pulled that nomination. You need yeah. to stick stick with your guts on certain things. But you also, again, you got to at least listen. Keep an open mind to things. Because there are times when things aren't going your way. And you can't just go right through it and act like things are just fine and dandy. So, yeah, anyways. My closing point is here's there's a class element to this. Republican voters are increasingly working class. And – the, the working class really doesn't have a good voice in politics. It used to have a voice to the Democrats. The Democrats have completely moved on. The Democrats are the party of postgrads and think tanks and and really like coastal elites. And the working class has migrated to the Republican Party, but Republican politicians are still very uncomfortable when it comes to the working class and working class issues. And, and this isn't a racial thing. I, I want to make very clear when I say working class, I mean this black, Hispanic, white, et cetera, right? And, you know, why did Trump win more of the Hispanic vote and more of the black vote? It was because he was a working class president. Well, Republicans still are really not comfortable with that. They're very comfortable with being the Chamber of Commerce political party. They're less comfortable with being on the people at the other side of the table who are the workers and the unions. And it, they, don't, they don't know where to go with that, right? So I think that was a lot of the, a lot of the never Trumpers were very bourgeois Republicans who hated Trump not because of his positions, but just because of his accent. He came from Queens. He didn't come from Westchester County. Uh, if you're New Yorkers, there's a lot of subtleties there. Anyways, but I don't know. Anything else, Michael? We'll see. Nope. Goodbye, Mr. Trump. It was fun. Yeah. Can I say one more point? It was it's yeah, really boring without him. It's boring. It's Politics tough on Twitter. It's I mean, tough. But it, I will say this. I, I was fearing what it was going to be like with Trump on Twitter and Biden, and it would be constant going at it. I'm not justifying and We'll have to have another episode about social media and what the hell they're doing with, with especially conservatives. But I, I, ha- I had great fears as to how that was going to pan out. Um, and, in a Biden America. Yeah. I, was, I just thought it would be nonstop Trump going after him. Nonetheless, let's move in. Joe Biden is our president. And unlike plenty of people over the last four years, I'm not going to say he's not my president. He is my president. <laughs> my son, uh, Aaron, is knows that he is our president now. He says President Biden. And he also <laughs> he likes to ask me, it's like, why did Trump lose? I'm like, well, unfortunately, a lot of people just don't like Trump. Why Why don't they like Trump? He's asking me all these questions. But now he, he he's I've taught my child that Joe Biden is our president because he is our president. Anyways, so let's talk about how things we envision. So I'll, I'll say this. There's going to be this period of time, I would say at least six months, where because he is not Trump, because Joe Biden is much more soft-spoken, a more old-school politician, you know, says all the right things, all that, a complete 180 from, from Donald Trump and, and how he handled things, I do think um, he's going to maintain – above 50%, maybe between 50 and 55% approval ratings for those first six months because of that alone. Then it's going to become come the time um, where people are going to really start judging them on how, where we're at with, with COVID. Hopefully by then, God, I hope I have the freaking vaccine because I'm, I'm over this. Um, but 
I think people will start judging at that point in time. But I think he'll get a bit of a, a grace period early on just because he is not Trump and the media is going to treat him like uh, the greatest thing ever. Uh, I agree. Um, I'm sorry. Did you have more to say? I was I, no I, for I, right I, now. That, that's the those are my initial thoughts. I, I just think people are gonna, you know, I, I, I especially I don't wish anything negative, especially on COVID. I wish him the best. Like I, I hope he could get us out of this because I'm so over this damn virus and everything and how it's infiltrated our lives. I never, I remember we had an episode right before COVID like really exploded. And I'm like, well, it's just going to be like the swine flu, like these other things, like it's going to hit us and there's going to be some concern, blah, 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 blah. But I never in a million years ever expected our lives to change like they have. I never expected the country to shut down and me working from home for, you know, four months of the year and all everything else and, and having to wear a mask and hard, you know, not going to churches anymore or going out to eat and all these other things. I never ever expected this and it was just blindsided by it and it just i want it to end um are the churches still shut down no th- they are not we're big um, fans of watching the national shrine on youtube every week they have a tremendous woman who i actually looked her up and she works for the federal government nonetheless her name's valencia camp hell of a reader at uh the national shrine in uh dc is it is the national shrine like the catholic version of the national cathedral yes yes yeah okay I didn't, I didn't know that. That's uh, yeah. yeah. If I ever were president, I would break the tradition and not go to the Episcopal church and go to the the Catholic one. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. The last bastion of wasp supremacy is the uh, national cathedral. Episcopalian yeah. church. Um, you know, so I, here's my prediction with the Biden. Right? First of all, I don't think Biden fills out his four year term. I think Biden is a very, now that the Trump is gone, now that Trump is gone, the, the focus is going to be on Biden. And I think there's the realization that with Trump's eccentricities aside, Biden's frailty, his, his senility is going to become very, very obvious. And in fact, you're going to see Biden very rarely speak to the public. He's going to be kind of the remote president and uh, in the era of remote working and the media will cover for him increasingly. Right. And it'll kind of be like the Soviet Union where, you know, the, the old Soviet countries, they, they, for whatever reason, the Soviet Union was, was led by very elderly people um, and all the, the Soviet satellite states. But they would always like hide their leaders away, right? Because they would be physically frail and then there'd be like a news report of them walking in the fields heavily doctored. I think the U.S. media is going to do that to Biden. Um, I think Biden will be very frail. I don't think he'll be a very decisive leader. How long do you um, think he remains in office? I would say 12 to 18 months. That's fair. I, I would think um, by the next midterm, Kamala is going to be our president. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Biden, people will personally like him. I think people struggle to personally dislike Biden because he's just kind of like a, a grandpa or an uncle type figure. Yep. Yeah, kind of like I Bernie know. Sanders. Uncle Joe or, or, or Grandpa Joe. Yeah. Or yeah. And he's kind of got that working class vibe. It's fake, but it, he's got the vibe. And, and I think it'll... He'll have, I think this is what's going to happen. Biden he works with that vibe too. It works for him. It does. It does. I think he'll be broadly popular, but I think his policies won't be popular. And I think um, – I don't think the Democrats will be that successful in pushing through their agenda through D.C. Because I think that what carried him into office was a lot of anti-Trump hate and upset over COVID, et cetera. 
but I don't think there was a lot of necessary positive support for the Biden administration and their policies and that. So over the next couple of months, I I think that people will turn against the Biden administration, but maybe not Biden personally. And I think you'll, you'll hear people say, I like Biden. I really don't like his administration. Kind of like how they did in the middle years of Obama. Um, And I think Kamala Harris, I don't think is a very good politician. Um, Kamala Harris was picked because of, her demographics. She checked boxes. She wasn't picked because she was a particularly adept politician. If you compare somebody like Margaret Thatcher to Kamala Harris or um, Yulia Timoshenko or Golda Meir or any other female leader to Kamala Harris, you can, the deficiencies of Kamala Harris are huge, right? So if, if and when she becomes the first female president, I don't think she'll do very well in it. I think there's going to be a big backlash. And that's why I'm optimistic for Republicans in the midterms, because I think that there will be a backlash to the Biden administration. And I think the Republicans could potentially win one or both houses of Congress. So I think uh, my prediction is yeah, they're close in age. What's that? They're close in age. They're very close. They're very, very close. So I think we get more gridlock. I don't think the Democrats get a lot done. Yeah. Um, even, I think even with a 50-50 Senate, I don't think they're going to get as much through as people think. No, I don't think so either. And I don't think I actually don't even think they're going to raise taxes. Um, I think that here's here's what I think that they do. This is going to be the tempo. They're going to push hard on cultural issues like transgender, BLM, racial inequity, these new buzzwords that have come around. They're going to push hard on that and all the actual concrete economic reforms that could help working class people. They're not going to make they're not going to make any progress on that. And then you're also going to see foreign policy, I predict, is going to rear its ugly head and we're going to get bogged down into another Middle Eastern war. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be Syria or Ethiopia or, or um, I know Ethiopia is not in the Middle East, but but uh, somewhere in the Middle East, Iraq again, um, Iran, Afghanistan, somewhere, I think that that is going to pop up again. I think that's going to flare up again. I don't think people realize how peaceful the Trump years were. Um, we it's really often overlooked. It's, it's overlooked. It's overlooked. It, it, it's, it's the exact opposite of what people thought was going to happen um, when when he was when Trump won on election night. It was uh, oh god, is his name Peter? Uh, Peter is it Peter Angle on NBC News? Oh god, I got to look this up. I don't even watch uh, TV. I don't. Even, I can't uh, tell you. Peter Angle, NBC News. Um, let's see. Yeah, Peter, Peter Engel, E N G E L. He was the, he was the one I had mentioned a few podcasts ago, and I couldn't think of his name. He was the one on election night when Trump won on, on 2016. He was getting texts in there. He's like, "We're, you know, we we're getting." Uh, I'm hearing from correspondents who are talking to these different administrations around the world, and the, they're worried they're, this guy's going to have the nuclear code, and we're going to go to war with North Korea. And like, he was just going crazy, and none of that happened. None of that. Right. Happened. So that that was a good aspect. But again, I think it was uh, was it Robert Gates. Um, who had mentioned about Biden, how he's been on the wrong side of every foreign policy decision. I think that's a massive weakness for Biden. And I think you'll see something. I I agree. I think something will happen with that. Um, Regarding Kamala, I was... Is it Kamala or Kamala? I have no clue anymore. They changed it. I guess I better figure it out. They changed it. And then they they, they made it a hate crime. If you... they like. They, they, they changed the language and they're like, you're going to go to a gulag if you, you pronounce it wrong. What, what is it? Sorry. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's Kamala, Kamala. What, what is uh, it? Wait, I, was, I was looking because there is actually a, an advertisement for her. Um, let's see. 
when she was running for Senate in California where the kids pronounced it. Let's see if I could find it. I'll pull it up and I'll play it. Uh, I, I, I can't find it right now. But where they actually like say it's Kamala. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I found it. Let me see if I could play this for everybody. Give me one okay, second. This is good. I'm excited. We're, we're going to attempt to play a YouTube video on the show. All right. I'm going to share the screen. Go to Chrome. Bear with me, everybody. This is worth it. Okay. Can you guys see this? Okay, let's see if you can hear. Can let me know okay. if you hear this when I hit play. I see it. No, I can't hear it. Oh, uh, it's Kamala. <laughs> it's Kamala. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. It's Kamala. We we cleared that up. Comma, like a comma. Comma. It's like yeah, the comma and then just la, la. Kamala. <laughs> Any, anyhow, if you could recall from one of our probably one of our first podcasts, we had predicted like the Democrat um, uh, nomination. Who we thought early on, Kamala was my or Kamala. I, I just butchered her name. Was going to be my pick because of how she handled like the the, the Kavanaugh hearings. I thought she, you know, she kind of again she checked the boxes for what the Democrats would kind of be viewing as somebody they would want on the top of their ticket. She had that first debate where she was really strong, and she went after Biden. Ironically enough, on um, uh, I forget was it one of the maybe a civil rights bill or something like that, and something like a comment oh, about yeah. I, I forget about that. Yeah. Then she um, like. Debate two, she stumbled and she stumbled from there. And then even in the vice presidential vice presidential debate, I thought she did very poorly. She has that what is the term like when you got this goofy thing where you laugh off when you uh, nervous when laughter? Uh, it's something like that. I don't know if it's like a scout. I forget what what the the term people were using to describe it. But like she would laugh it off whenever she'd get a tough question. But I just I don't think she handled herself well in that. So it's going to be interesting to see if she could kind of learn over the next two years on the fly um, with some of this stuff. And, and, and I don't know. I have fears for her as our president because I think she represents the the, the true Democrat voter of 2021, which is more left-leaning, oh, more progressive, and more about all of this other stuff, about all these key, you know, whatever words you want to call them. Um, Oh, I agree. Pushing along, they 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 know how to work the system, folks. They got the media on their side. You'll start seeing more and more commercials with this this with this type of maybe segment of the population or segment very subs like a subset of su- a subset of a population. You're going to start seeing in more uh, commercials and movies and things like that. You, you'll see. They know how they know how to do it, and they're going oh, to they do things. They do. Um, they do. Here's well, uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah, no, listen, I think Americans, the big failing of Americans as a society is that we, A, have no historical knowledge. We are a very um, forgetful people of even the recent past. We're very consumed with the moment. Um, Maybe it's a virtue in a way because it allows us to be optimistic, but we are also a people that are very much ignorant of the world outside of the United States. Um, so being forgetful of history and being ignorant of the world outside the United States, the result is when we have mediocre politicians who stride upon the stage, we attach tons of um, exaggerations. They're either the best president ever, the worst president ever, fascists or demagogues or, or whatever, right? Because we, we lack historical context so that it falls to the extreme. That's why Trump becomes a fascist madman, even though he's just kind of like a, a um, rowdy boomer. 
Um, and that's why Barack Obama is the healer and the greatest president ever, even though he's just kind of like a mediocre guy that, was, you know, just kind of a placeholder in the grand scheme of things. But with Kamala, the, the net result is we think that Kamala Harris is an admirable person because she's a woman and she's taking political office. But then you recognize if you have any, even the most basics, uh, a basic understanding of history of the world outside that has had female leaders, you can see that. Kamala is in no way notable that as a politician, she's just not a very good one. And that's not because she's a woman or because she's a minority or anything like that. She's just simply not a good politician. Um, and, you know, she didn't do, she didn't go anywhere in the primaries. The Democrats didn't even love her. She was like seventh place or eighth place. And she only got picked again to, to pick, to fill certain boxes on the, uh, the bingo sheet. Um, that is in modern American politics. And so I, I think the Democrats made a mistake by picking her as their vice president, because I do think that, you know, if she weren't a adroit politician, that'd be one thing, but she's not. And so when she steps into the reins of power and make no mistake, she will, she will let her ideology overrule her reasonableness and rationality. One thing about Obama was he was a very ideological person, but he was also very, there was a pragmatic core to Obama that people underestimate. And I think that's why he did, did so well uh, he knew stuff I that agree. wouldn't fly right he he was able he he knew the american electorate better than people gave him credit for and he didn't completely play to the democratic prejudices whereas kamal i don't think does keep in mind she's from california the most liberal state she's one of the most liberal senators so she's going to govern as a hard hard liberal i think it's going to blow up in her face because people are sick of trump now and they're sick of republicans now but six months, 12 months? I mean, look what Biden's yeah. done. Michael, can we talk about this real quick? He's ended the Keystone Pipeline. He's He won an executive order on transgender men allow, or women allowing to compete in girls' sports, um, which I know angered a lot of people because um, it, it will mean like the elimination of girls' sports if it goes in any way um, viral. He moved troops into Syria. I, I think he's moving troops into Iraq. Um, he's, he's done all these executive orders and it's just like these po policies really, I don't think are that popular. I don't know. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, I'll say this, the one curveball, uh, kind of a fear of mine, and it was kind of already boiling up under Trump is this COVID. And I think the COVID are, yes, COVID-19, uh, the Democrats are going to use this as a means to get their domestic policy some aspects of their domestic policy through like the andrew yang the that sort of idea of more checks like they're going to try to do it like the, the policy proposal right now that i've read about is biden's child tax credit rather than it going through on your tax return at the end of the year if you have kids under the age of six and there's certain income limits you're going to get a 300 check a month hitting your bank account so they're kind of using that as a means to get this idea of monthly income, monthly money going into the pockets of, of people. And I think it's going to grow from there in this uh, as a means to combat the economic consequences of COVID-19. But I think they're going to, they're looking at it not for the idea of COVID-19, a temporary thing. They're looking at it for a long-term benefit for um, some things they're going to try to push from a domestic side. So you got to really watch. I do think some have some populist elements to them that could win over some Republicans, but you got to watch what, what you agree to. Cause I think we could be in, we have some issues moving forward on that. 
Uh, anything else? On, oh, oh boy, we just lost. I'm back. I'm back. Dang, I'm oh, back. I thought you, oh, man. you had some of the sketchy internet that I had over the summer. No, I think the government was trying to shut me down. I was they, they might be. If and, and by the way, people, if we get shut down on Facebook, which is in this day and age possible, you could join the 20 other subscribers on YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find us there. If not, we have a website. It's mvred.com. There's a website. On the way, I might have to get like a VPN to to, to get our episodes up because you know. Nowadays, uh, you can't have our thoughts out there. <laughs> no. All right. So enough on, on Joe Biden. So let's go back to the Republicans and moving forward. We've already we kind of agree this can't be about Trump moving forward. And I think there's going to be a, a struggle um, for the for the heart of the Republican Party. But again, I think I don't know how you do it, but you got to somehow find a way to unite behind policy. I don't. It shouldn't be about a person especially going into the midterms. It shouldn't be about a single person or anything like that. It should be about a platform of policies that combat whatever Biden and Kamala or Kamala or whatever her name. I apologize. You know, no, in, in all due respect, we've been butchering her name since the start of this podcast. And I'm, I know we're going to. Unintentionally. Yes. Unintentionally. Please, don't send us. Don't send us to yes, the work camp. Sorry. No hate intended. So I know if somebody's listening who disagrees me? with us, we're not trying to like be dicks about this. We're just no. we honestly, the evolution of the name has us confused. Anyhow. So where, where does the Republican party go from here? Especially I think to, the, to the prison I, camps. What's that? <laughs> Probably to the prison camps. Where this country is going to the the, the FEMA camps. Uh, uh, sorry, that wasn't the right answer. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, to their credit, there are some of these people that maybe I've been critical of and, and how they were posting stuff leading up to January 6th who are pretty much like squashing this idea of starting a third party and, and the, the, the effects of something doing something like that would be uh, – you you got to find – because I've had some of these discussions with some coworkers at work. It, it's not easy. It's not like you just go back to the old school Republicans because you're going to lose those working class voters. And it's not like you go completely full blown Trumpism because you're going to lose, especially like more of those old school suburban Republican voters. You've got to find a happy median. And, and I don't know what it is. Um, but let, let me ask you this. Although it's not about one politician or anything. Who do you think is like that one politician right now? And I'm not talking about for 2024, but like right now is the best person to bridge that um, disconnect or divide in the Republican Party. Somebody like DeSantis. I, I hear what you're That I was going to be who I, I was going to say too. Um, I agree with you, Michael, everything you said. I think you need Trumpism without Trump's faults. He had character faults. I think you'd have to be blind not to see that. He had character virtues. But he had character faults, so you need that Trumpism message. Somebody who's a fighter, somebody who is pugnacious, but maybe he's not as crazy as Trump. Uh, I think, a, a, is it Ron DeSantis? I, I want to say Dan yeah. DeSantis, but no, it's Ron DeSantis, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you DeSantis. know the, the Youngstown connection there? Wait, Ever? what? There's a big Youngstown connection. You're going to love this. Whoa, you're blowing Fun my mind. Anderson Urson connection here. No. His, no. his aunt. Is sister Regina Rogers from Ursuline. His uncle is father. Or his uncle is father Rogers from St. Charles and Boardman. And his mother, conceivably, I'm guessing, I don't know if they went to Ursuline or not, but his father is a Youngstown State grad. I grew up in like, I think, Western PA, but there's a Youngstown connection there. So how about that? His mother's from Youngstown. Wait a minute. Sister Regina 
Sister Regina from Ursuline. Is his aunt? Yes. The aunt. Yes. No way. So maybe if no. we work through Sister Regina, she's on the Ursuline board with me. Maybe I could talk with her. Maybe we could get Ron DeSantis on. Hey, hey, how do I get on the Ursuline board? How do I do that? That's what uh, I wanted. I think if you want to be on the finance committee, I'm in charge of it. I'll get you on there. You should get – I, I have more credentials. Like, yes, I should be on that. Um, uh, sorry, that's that's neither here nor there. We just, <laughs> sorry, people. We got veered off course. Ron DeSantis, I think, is a good guy. I think he has done a good job in Florida. I think he has been able – look at the Republican Party in Florida under his rule. Trump won that state by over three points. This was a swing state. It's no longer a swing state. There's a ton of electoral college votes there. The state's going well. Ron DeSantis is Trumpy, but he's also a very good, competent governor. I think that's that's key. Somebody who just says competency. Like, I can sleep at night while this guy's in power. I really, really like him. If you were to run, I would support him 100%. And, and Unless you, my man Tucker Carlson ran, then I'd support Tucker yeah. And you want to know why I think we're both right about this is because the media hates his guts and they have yeah. attacked him like crazy. Yeah. I think they fear him for that simple fact. It's it's Florida. He has broad and he eked out a victory. But I, I, I'd imagine with the way Trump, what Trump was able to do there uh, a couple months ago, I think he's well on his way, even though his approval ratings have have cratered into the high 40s or, or, or low 50s from like 70s. I think ultimately he'll find a way. That's going to be a tough state, I think, for the Democrats moving forward, especially if, if the Republicans can hang on, especially the, uh, those Hispanics in Miami-Dade County, those working class voters in, in certain parts of the state. It makes that the math there much more difficult for the Democrats. And I yeah. also think I, I have a client that I work with um, up in Jacksonville, and he and he's originally uh, from the Northeast, and he, he knows some people from the Northeast moving down. But he's saying – he's quick to point out – he's like the ones I'm uh, – are moving down aren't aren't the far left liberal ones. It's it's maybe more conservative ones. So it's not like that state's being infiltrated with liberals from the Northeast. Um, sure, there's some, but I don't think all those ones leaving New York are are, are the liberal ones. So I, I think he right now makes the most sense. And he the interesting thing is you can't necessarily even go after him. He's very environmental, which is, is yes. which is kind of fascinating, uh, especially yes. with a state like Florida. I, I think you have to with such a with the geography of the state surrounded by water and then you got the Everglades and, and all of that. And so he has that aspect to him, but he, he's quick to go after the media if they ask stupid questions of him. but he's also eloquent enough where he can, I think he's willing to hear the other side, but I think he, he handles things probably better than Trump ever could. Um, I think he does a better job with the media. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. He he'll go after them, but he's not like the he's not like a dick about it. You know what I mean? There, there's a right. fine line there, but it, it's enough. And he and he was a congressman before he was um, the governor. And so again, I think he's probably the best bridge for the Republicans. And if he, I think what he does in 2022 with his race as governor will dictate if he is the guy. Um, you know, one of the heavy, the the stars for 2024. He's also really good on immigration. Uh, why did Trump win? This is one thing that people like to memory hold, but immigration was a huge issue in 2016, and Trump was the hardest on immigration. And the GOP establishment always sells out the base on immigration every time they get a chance. And DeSantis was very strong on immigration, and he ran and both you know banned sanctuary cities. 
Um, so yeah, I could see him doing well. He, I didn't realize he went to Yale and Harvard and was a, a JAG. So he, he served in the military. Um, yeah, this guy is, is great. He's got my vote, but I don't know. I mean, it's still, still some time yeah. in the Senate. I hope that Republicans topple Mitch McConnell. I think Mitch McConnell's time has come and gone. Um, I think Kevin McCarthy's maybe a good guy, but probably not the best leader. So I, I hope the Republicans find new leadership on a, on a congressional level um, as well. You know, in the meantime, I think they will actually. I'll say this about Mitch though. Republicans can't completely go after him because I think he also helped get maybe not a, a lot of policy things done, but he helped, I think on the Supreme court side, especially with leading up to Trump being elected in 2016, holding off on uh, the Merrick, Merrick Garland uh, nomination. That's um, true. Uh, That's I true. think That's true. That was a big win. Th- that was a big win. So I, I think he has, has had some strategic wins. I just think, at the end of it, he was just done with Trump, and maybe that really led to some anxiety with him being the, the Senate leader. I think you'll see him. I think he'll 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 win back some people, but it's kind of tough when you got a fifty fifty Senate uh, and how things work, like with committees and all that. Because if it's fifty one forty nine, you could like eat, eat, probably figure out like the Democrats would get one more. I don't know how it even works. Like, yeah, how do you have? like the Senate Judiciary Committee, like who leads that? Is it Feinstein, who's going to be like 92, by the way, and running for re-election, which is mind-boggling to me? Or, yeah. um, I don't know, Lindsey Graham or whoever it would be. So again, you now in a state like Kentucky, obviously you could probably find somebody pretty far out there on the right to win. But he is, I don't think Mitch is a horrible guy. I think he um, he probably just had enough with Trump. And I think he 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 helped Trump at times, especially on the Supreme Court side. So... Um, but it, no, nonetheless, I think, I think if you just get some, new blood, we need new blood. Yeah. Yeah. Every, it's, we need for the, for God's sake, we need new blood. I mean, look at the, the, the sentence, Diane Feinstein's 92. I mean, this is, it's absurd, right? Our president's 78. Like we need young people to, to get in power all over. We have some in, in the Mahoning Valley though. We got, when, we got some young when ones. Have, when are we going to have Michael Metzinger take over? Hmm. <laughs> when, You've got enough money. You, you're you're an accountant. You can you can fudge those numbers all day long. You can <laughs> easily run. Why why aren't you running? Uh, I have uh, not really any desire. I was trying to look here. Oh no, he was born in Jacksonville. Okay, I thought maybe he was born up this way uh, to say in this, but no, his family's from from Youngstown. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't have any desire. There's no real races I would even consider running for right now. There are like, four Metzinger children, right? Tommy, Michael, Matthew, and. Um, one Chris, more. the Chris. one who, who likes to troll you. So, which one is the which which is the favorite son? Is Chris. it the youngest Chris? for sure? Okay, we so will agree on that. One. This is your chance, Michael, to become the favorite son. <laughs> you know, I mean, I gotta, I gotta win back because <laughs> my mom was not a big Trump supporter. She probably hated the fact that I had a Trump sign. What about? Oh well, okay. Uh, well, maybe not. Or that old school uh, Republican. You know, she's. Yeah, I have no clue who she voted for. She never told me that, but she's she's definitely she she voted for Christina Hagen, like Christina Hagen, but uh, does not like you know you could name Trump. the politics like a Tim Ryan, like yeah. we're all over him in, in our his days are numbered, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know, I don't think I could ever surpass Chris. He is the favorite. Wow, 
if you try to run for office to surpass Chris, I'll, you, you've got my vote. <laughs> well, I thank you. I don't know if many other <laughs> others would, would, would do that. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, I, I think that's it. I think this is episode one of the Biden years. I, um, I think they're going to be lame. Uh, I think the stock market's going to eventually crash. And I think, I think it's just going to be, it's not just going to be as fun. There's something really fun about Trump. I miss him. I miss him. I miss his tweets. He was funny. I've never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. That was hilarious. Um, when he found that Romney had Coke as a negative for COVID, he had a really good tweet there. I forget um, what it was. He's like, <laughs> I am in no, I am so excited and happy that Mitt Romney uh, is healthy. It makes me, you know, brings brings me the the greatest joy in the world to know that Mitt Romney's doing well. <laughs> Another good Trump tweet was best line in the Elizabeth Warren beer catastrophe is to her husband. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. It's their house. He's supposed to be there. <laughs> oh, here's the Mitt Romney tweet. This is really great news. I am so happy I can barely speak. He may have been a terrible presidential candidate and even worse U.S. senator, but he is a rhino, and I like him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he was a uh, he was a ball buster without question. <laughs> But anyhow, on that note, tis the season for me, and it's tax season, so I'm working the long hours. So we wanted to push this episode up a little bit uh, for that very reason. So if you weren't able to tune into the video, we'll have the podcast up. It'll it'll be up later tonight. It um, so you could you could uh, join in there, and uh, yeah, and I and the other thing is I posted on social media tonight, Facebook and Twitter, the Mahoning and Trumbull County election results by uh, municipality. So. Uh, if you want to go check that out, it's always kind of good to take a deep dive in. And fascinating thing uh, is the Repub- Trump won a greater percent of the Republican vote in every single municipality in both counties from 2016 to 2020. So wow. he didn't go down anywhere. He actually went up, which is wow. pretty fascinating. Extremely so. And my wife is messaging me right now. He, she would like us to have Christina Hagen on. That's the other thing. I did a poor oh, job yeah. leading up to the election. Uh, it's just kind of tough because we don't have like a set schedule to like schedule somebody. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try. If people have suggestions of who you would like to see us have on, let us know. We can, I'm sure we can make it happen now that it's, it's kind of dead. One thing, one request, Dane, and I, yeah. I don't think I ever sent you the things. I had tweeted Ryan Gerdusky couple weeks ago and he responded yeah. right away yeah he, my cousin i think my youngest brother chris and a few cousins and my youngest brother chris they're big crenshaw people we know you don't like crenshaw you know gerdusky doesn't he said he he wants to set something up so he could red pill them conceivably that make them hate crenshaw nonetheless <laughs> you might be the means to help make that happen so <laughs> wait wait who wants to what about Dusky responded, he says, let's set something up so he could red pill my brother and my cousins and the hating Crenshaw. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Have to work right with you. And I don't know if the podcast is the right means to do that. But uh, regardless, maybe I'm sure he's a lot slower now in terms of it's just not an election anymore. So we, we can set something up with him. We need to get a Democrat on this show, by the way. We need I to wanted get to get a- Dave Beatrice, but again, I, I could probably make it happen. I just haven't asked. We need we need a, we need a big dem. I want a big dem, or, or even like a friend of us, or who's a Democrat. Like a, I see plenty of bleeding heart liberals on my timeline. So by all means, we're more than willing to have you on. I'd like to ask them, like, kind of, 
what they like about Biden. And maybe from that, we could ask them some questions to really see if they're really all about Kamala. Kamala. Kama. 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 Well, yes. And I'll, 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 uh, Carson Markley. I don't know who Carson Markley. We have Josh Mansfield, who is the, I think he said the YSU college conservative president. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for the the people commenting. There's some different ones in the the chat tonight commenting. I think Josh actually was one of the big ones. Um, and my wife con- chimed in as well. I think she likes something of yours. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, that that's the end of our episode. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll try to set something up some point in February. That's usually my busiest month, but we'll uh, we'll we'll make something happen, and uh, hopefully we have something good to talk about, or maybe we'll have somebody on. Well, hey, I got to tell you before we close out the episode. This episode was sponsored by Pizza Hut. Pizza <laughs> Hut, <laughs> because when you went back to their old logo, yeah, they did. Pizza Hut, because when you hate yourself, but you're too pussy to pull the trigger, try some Pizza Hut. It's the next closest thing. <laughs> I do like their personal pan pizzas. It reminds me of the days of like if I would read a book, which would never happen. Um, at the library, they would give you like a free personal pan pizza if you read books. I actually earlier this this past summer, I actually got one. It was just one night. I think uh, I don't know why what possessed me, but I just decided you know I'm going to get a personal pan pizza from Pizza. <laughs> I felt like a little five year old kid. You know why you did it? You know, because I just ate a personal pan pizza. You know why you did it? Because you ate yourself. And you're like, why am I alive? I I don't want to be alive. So I'm going to eat a personal pan pizza because it's the closest thing to death without being dead. The the pizza, the little personal pan pizza gets in your belly and it turns into a solid block of just like lead. And it sits in your stomach and it gets into your bloodstream and you know you normally blood transfers like iron and oxygen but now it just transfers pizza grease you can see the pizza grease and uh, you you can't think you can't you can't feel you're just dead inside thanks to the personal pan pizza pizza hut thank you pizza hut for sponsoring us we appreciate it. we love our all our sponsors <laughs> we have some great ones uh uh, at, at, at the rate he's going, we're probably going to have my pillow sponsoring us here soon enough um, oh, yeah. to go along with the Casper mattress. So, um, yeah, we got that going for us. So, thank you to our sponsors, Pizza Hut. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll probably get an email, but we're not sponsoring you. Uh, <laughs> anyways, thank you everybody for tuning in. Again, I'll get this podcast up later. Let us know on social media or, or emailing us or what have you, messaging us, like who you'd like to have us have on the show. Now that the election's over, we could have some fun with this show um, and try to at least maybe do something at least once a month, maybe twice a month, depending on what's going on. Uh, we want to definitely keep this going. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. It's kind of dead right now, four days into the new administration, but it'll it'll get heated up here soon enough. So on that note, Dane, thank you very much. Have a nice evening and uh, we'll talk soon. Everybody take care. Hey, no one out pizza's the hut. See you later, Michael. See you. Bye.